And now, Wolf Bites open mic. The Bass Jackers. I just came home actually from tour. Hey guys, this is Phoenix Paul. Hey, what's up? This is Sean Frank. Wolf Bites DJs and your favorite artists. Sophie Francis. Sophie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, it's super nice to join you guys. What's up, guys? This is Ahmed Van Buren. Now, open mic. How's it going, Wolf Pack Nation? Chris Lehman with you with another edition of our open mic podcast. This time, I'm joined by Mim of Nervo coming at us from Spain today. Mim, thank Thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Great. Great. Where are you? I'm, I'm in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever heard of Raleigh. Actually, R-A-L-E-I-G-H. Is that yes. right? Yes. Let me Google it. I feel like it looks familiar. North Carolina. It's kind of a, a tech area. We've got a, we've got a, it's called Research Triangle Park out here where they have like uh IBM, like a lot of the big computer and, and tech companies have branches out here. Wow, North Carolina. There's a few songs about North Carolina or South Carolina, you know. Yep, yep. I've, I've been to Charlotte. I've been to Charleston, which was mind-blowing. Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina? Yes. Literally, it was incredible. <laughs> but I don't know if I've been to North Carolina. Maybe. I hope so. Well, You've been close. Charleston's about... I could drive to Charleston in about uh, five hours, probably. So, oh, that's not close, babe. That's not close. <laughs> that, I don't think that's too far. My <laughs> my my whole family is from uh, Pennsylvania, um, uh-huh. which is way up the East Coast. We're, we're on the East Coast, so it's, it's up yeah. the East Coast. So at least twice a year, I'd drive like eight hours with my family yeah. to go up so five hours was nothing nothing to me oh this part of the i love this part of the world the whole <laughs> east coast. I mean, it sometimes it gets a bit humid for me but i do like it how you have seasons yeah and that's like that's the the crazy thing about about like raleigh in the north carolina area i think yeah even this year like uh, it might have been early March or late February. We got like yeah. two inches of snow, and then like four days later, it's the snow's all gone. You would have never known it was there, and it's seventy-five degrees outside. So yeah. our weather's our weather's nuts around here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, isn't it like it's hurricane? Not hur- is it is it hurricane or tornado? I don't. I know we've done loads of gigs <laughs> in this part of town, and sometimes they just if they're festivals and they're outdoor festivals, it gets a bit sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember where there was a place where they had like a whole stage just collapse in a, a basically a windstorm. We're where yes. we're where uh, we are in North Carolina is more of a hurricane area. Um, yes. In fact, I'm a big hockey fan. We have an NHL team, and our NHL team's name is actually the Hurricanes. So, uh-huh. so we're we're more hurricanes here. Um, and if, if our bad hurricane hits Raleigh's far enough in that, you know, we'll get some wind and some rain and we can get some damage. Uh, but the, the coast is really what gets hard and hit hard in North Carolina. The tornadoes are out in the middle of the, in the middle of the country. So there's, there's tornado alley where they get all kinds of crazy tornadoes. Yeah. Like I remember Liv and I were recording in Nashville. Yeah. So Nashville's right in the middle. Yeah. And um, we used to work there a lot before Nervo was really DJing professionally. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember all the recording studios that were within the big publishing agencies, companies, mm-hmm. used to have their own freaking tornado shelter. <laughs> and so we used to have a recording session. And they're like, oh, guys, we've all got to go downstairs to the tornado <laughs> It was amazing. It was such a, a wicked 
you know, introduction into that. Because we oh, don't yeah. have that. I mean, you just in Australia, you don't get tornadoes, you don't get hurricanes. It's just a, it's something you see in the films. Oh, well, you guys get your own kind of crazy weather, right? You guys have yeah, the. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually, I talked to, um, I, I don't know if you know Bonka very well, um, but I talked to Connor O'Neill uh, about a month ago now about the. Uh, we talked a little bit about the the brush fires and and the yeah. mudslides and everything that was going on in Australia. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty hardcore. It's yeah. It's because we have, like you had snow and then sunshine. We mm. have similar. We have drought, and then we have crazy rainfall. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, the land is so uh, so dry that it just disappears, and that's how you get massive mudslides that can be really dangerous. So yeah, it's 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 it is it's a hazard. You gotta you gotta keep your eye out. Oh, well, just pray. And, and you're in. I know you said you're taking a, a Spanish class. Is I understand it. You're in Spain right now. Is that right? Yeah, I am. How's I'm that? Stuck. Well, look, it's not bad. My boyfriend's Spanish, and so we came here because we didn't want his parents to be alone. So before the pandemic really hit and shut everything down. And um, so we came here with our daughter, and so I'm staying with the in-laws. Oh wow! Which is in, yeah, in confinement with the in-laws. They're <laughs> 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 amazing. I, like no complaints coming from them whatsoever. <laughs> it, it, from me, I should say about them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I actually caught the virus. So oh. make sure you do stay safe because um, it was a, an annoying little sucker. <laughs> how did how did that go? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, it was really her- it was horrendous. We were wiped out for I would say eleven days. Wow. I lost a hundred percent of my taste and my smell. My in laws, who we were really worried about, they my my mother in law in particular, she was really ill, couldn't get out of bed for four days, couldn't breathe. You know, it was really really scary for a moment there. And we all had fever, and yeah, it was it was horrible. Wow. It was horrible. So. Wash those hands. Wash, wash, wash them. Oh as yeah. As much as you can. Oh yeah. We're we are doing that here here at my house, no doubt. Yeah, and just use so much alcohol on your hands. Get all that, you know, the gel. Yeah, that's the tough part for us right now. Is there's a big shortage on the on the the hand sanitizer. Yeah, it's a big problem. You know, I bought some bleach the other day in America um, because my friend needed some, and she was like, I really can't get any, and she couldn't leave the house. So I bought her some bleach on Amazon from my American Amazon account. It took two weeks to get to her, and it cost $43 a gallon, and it was for like 6% bleach. Whereas here in Europe, we can get it for two euros for 100% bleach. Wow. Like I couldn't believe that it was so expensive in America. Like here, it's in every single supermarket, and it's more concentrated, and it's like a one hundredth of the price. It's it's interesting to hear that because you don't. I, I watch the news every night, learning learning things and 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 looking at stuff on, on the internet, and I don't hear any. Don't hear anything like that. Uh, yeah. And I we just I just kind of assumed everyone was having issues with that, not just the, the states. No, 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 no. Well, I'm in Spain, in Barcelona, and there is – I was so shocked at the price of bleach on Amazon 
that I literally the next day went to the supermarket here and had to double take and check the percentage, the concentration and everything because I just could not understand why America is having a hard time getting bleach if we have so much of it here. Yeah. And yeah. it took a long time to get there as well. Yeah, that's that's nuts. That was yeah. that was like a big a big segment of the news last night was talking about talking about Clorox and going in a Clorox yeah. factory and looking at how they're trying to ramp up production. Wow, there's something not quite right because we have it so much of it here and so so do my friends in London because I asked them all. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> And I've just been loving seeing the in-laws with our daughter mm-hmm. because there's not often in life when we get this much time together with family. So, look, they're the positives we're taking out of this. And my daughter's actually – all of the words she used to say would all be predominantly English, and now she's saying a few Spanish words. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and Catalan words, to be um, precise, because – we, we live in this area of Barcelona and mm-hmm. a part of the area is called Catalonia and they speak a completely different language. It's not even Spanish. So I'm learning Spanish because everyone from Catalonia knows how to speak Spanish. So that's why I just want to speak. I'm not very good at languages. So <laughs> I, have, I have to pick one and go one at a time. <laughs> so how has kind of been, and are you usually, you and Liv usually in close proximity when it comes to, to living together or, or living uh, near each other? So is it, how has it kind of impacted the, the workflow for you two? Oh, it's been hard. It's been really hard. You know, we're on, normally if we're on a few different, t- like if, if we're on a different time zone that isn't, you know, 12 hours different, <laughs> yeah. then it's fine. But we're, you know, Australia and Europe, it's a, it's a pretty hardcore time difference. So I find I get up early and try and do a couple of hours with Liv. And then I stay up late. I'm working until 2.33, sometimes 3.30 every morning, just oh, wow. because that's the only way that I can work with Liv. Because otherwise we just play tag the whole time and we don't get like a lot of good, good work done. We, we, we have to be on the same time zone. Yeah, that's, I can imagine that would be tough. Yeah, we used to, you know, live, there was a, a one year of our lives when I was more in London and Liv was more in New York. And that was a perfect time difference because I would work, do six hours, then we would work together for another four four hours, and then I would clock off and Liv would work another six hours. So we had this kind of 24-hour work thing going on. It was incredible for our productivity. But Europe to Australia – I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to her getting back to Europe. She's, she's booked so many flights and they just keep getting cancelled. So, so she's still, she's actively trying trying to get out. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And she keeps booking flights and they stay booked for about a week and then she gets a message saying, we've cancelled your flight and you can have a uh, credit note. <laughs> So it's really, it's becoming, it's really annoying. It's becoming an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would get tough. And now I'll go back and look here. I want to talk a little bit about kind of the, the beginnings for the, the two of you as well. So yes. the, the start, how'd you, how'd you two get into music? Uh, and how'd you, how'd you get started? Uh, I know you guys were, were really kind of big fans of the scene yourself before you really started producing the music. 
Yeah, well, we have been, oh, God, look, where did we start with music? My parents got me into piano and violin lessons at age five. So by the time we reached high school, we had a nice uh, understanding of music, like history, theory, and practical. And it was the only thing that we were, that we found easy at school. And I think that's also due to the, 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 the training, you know, yeah. <laughs> we had every single week of our lives. And then um, we both were at university and doing music on the side because back then, honestly, to do music courses, digital music, it just wasn't something that I, that we were being encouraged to do. We'd done university music at high school. It was like a scholarship program and done really well at it. But then I was doing architecture at, at university and and what was Liv doing? Construction management. It's very um, different from music. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, but it isn't because it's engineering and it's to do with maths. And we were still doing music. We would be like knocking on every every studio that we knew and we said, hey, we can write, we can play chords, we can sing. Um, can we please try and can we just learn the ropes? Because we'd done grade eight. I don't know if you know in music, but we did grade eight theory. So, and grade eight music, which is really high. It's like, it's the highest you can go pretty much until you start teaching. Oh, wow. And so we, we'd done all of the theory and practical to a certain level, but it's all very, it's structured and it's not as creative in terms of, well, it's not as creative. You learn composition and the rules in composition, but you don't learn the records that you love and that you're listening to on the radio. So we would knock on other producers' doors and we'd say like, hey, we can do this. And we met a few people and then we ended up just kind of being their studio rats and recording for them and doing some work and then we were with this one producer and he's like hey girls I haven't written the middle eight of this record do you want to have a go at it so straight away we just wrote some chords and wrote some top lines lyrics and melody because that's one thing you're not taught in music and we just loved it Liv and I used to naturally write melody and lyrics it's just something we did for our own therapy together and um and then he was like I really like this song and he's like, let's do a few more records. We wrote four records together. This is when I was 18. And then he had a publisher. He sent the, those records to a publisher in the UK. And it was Sony ATV in the UK. And they straight away offered us a publishing deal. So we were like, yep, we're doing it. We're moving to the UK. We're going to do it. And then followed, I would say, almost 10 years of Struggle Town, you know, where we just wrote, wrote, produced, produced. Well, we actually didn't produce much. That was the mistake. Our publishers were like, girls, you're great writers. You know, Liv was learning guitar and we could get on a piano and write a song. And, and so our, our publishers would put us with loads of producers and actually we got ripped off by a lot of producers and that made us go and do a logic course at London School of Sound and learn how to actually record our own material. So we kind of went the other way around. Lots of people tinker with production and then learn more the songwriting, but we did it the other way around. That's why I know Nashville because we used to go to Nashville and write a song a day. Like Liv and I can pretty much write write a song a day. So are you we are love- you a country music fan then? If you if you've been to Nashville, many times. My God, we've written in Nashville. I would say at least fifteen different times. <laughs> <laughs> 
lot. So how do you like the country music? Because it's definitely definitely a different style from from what you produce. Yeah, well, it's well written music. They do their rhyme scales really well. They're very uh, strict with their rules. It's not a production driven songwriting area. It's a songwriting driven area. So it's like it, it, it's not it's not it's not a production based area yet. I believe it's getting better because my recent sessions in in Nashville, uh, they were. People were more interested in the production side, which I thought was really cool and a change. So, yeah, we learned our roads in – we did a lot of years in Nashville, a lot, of, a lot of sessions in Nashville, and that taught us how to write a song a day. And then we would do lots of songwriting camps for Britney Spears or Rihanna and all the record labels would fly us around and say, hey, can you do this, this songwriting camp where, again, you're, you're, you had to write a song a day. And then, and then we were just basically, God, God I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm, it's late, <laughs> for me, so I'm not good at tying up a story. We had a few top tens in the UK. We had one of our top tens was by an old pop star called, well, she's not old, but she was a breakout solo artist from a, a group called S Club 7. I don't know if you know, but um, she was, one, she was a, we had a top ten with her and we, we were obsessed with the remix package. We preferred the remix package to our release which is top 10 in the UK. So we reached out to the DJ who did the remix and we're like, hey, man, God, we loved your beats so much more than the original. I wish we released that version and not our version as the top 10 as her single. And then we started working with him. And then uh, we had a load of cuts with Kesha. And then uh, then what happened? We were uh, a guy called Max Goose. He was, he was, kind of, he was Kesha. No, he was... Uh, Kelly Rowland's A and R, and he said, "Hey, Kelly Rowland is in town. Do you want to meet with her? I'd love you to write some songs for her." So we did, and then she had met David Guetta the week before in the south of France, and David had given her a CD back then. Can you believe it? it wasn't even <laughs> it wasn't even when we used to pass out USBs. And she was like, "Hey, I was in the south of France with a guy called David Guetta, and Liv and I had been going to Ibiza to just club and go crazy for." Five years, every year we would go to Ibiza and club. Um, so we were pop writers, but clubbers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then straight away when Kelly said, um, I've got these demos from David Guetta, we were like, holy moly, we need to check these out. Straight away we, we took these demos and then we went and wrote the song, so the melody and lyrics over these tracks. And that was When Love Takes Over. That was our first Grammy winning record and it was David's first number one. And then we wrote loads for David's first album and second album and then then we had a lot of success through like we wrote for David we wrote for Armin Van Buren, we wrote for we wrote for Armin before Nervo were Nervo, so we never put our names on those records. And then Avicii remixed one of those records. And then we got a record deal with EMI. And EMI were like, girls, we really want you to kind of sing and do that kind of stuff. And we were like, no, we don't want to sing. We sing, but we don't want to sing in our performance. We want to do it like Calvin Harris does, where he he's the vocal on a lot of his records, but not all of them. 
and the way he performs is by DJing. And we really loved that model because we loved DJing. We would be DJing every weekend for our friends. And we love the creativity of DJing. The fact that you can play your own records mixed in with, uh, with, with the records that you're vibing on at that moment. And so then we got a record deal, started releasing more records under our own name, really had a ball doing it, really enjoyed it. And then here we are. Nine years later. I think I think next year, had we done this year's Tomorrowland, next year would have been our tenth Tomorrowland playing. So yeah, it's been a nice it's been a beautiful journey so far. So uh, you, you talked a, a little bit there about working a good amount with David Guetta. What is what was that like and what do you take away from, from working with someone like him? He's an amazing A and R. He really is. Like we actually didn't work with him much. Like we, mm. we kind of sent him when love, well, actually we gave Kelly Rowland when love takes over and then her record label passed on the record. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, David called us out of the blue and he's like, girls, I love this work that you've done. I'd like to release it. And so we didn't, he, he did change originally the middle eight, which is now the middle eight that I'll be loving you all the time. It's true. That middle eight. It was original, the pre, that was the pre-core. <laughs> so he did, he, he did do a good chop a, a with the, um, the, what do you call it? Arrangement. So he, he's an, he's a great A&R. I think he, he gets a lot of incredible ideas and then he's able to kind of say, I want this section there like great DJs do because mm-hmm. great DJs make mashups and they're great at, they listen to so many records every single day that they're so good at picking which ones stand out. And I think David had had, you know, 25 years of being a DJ and that makes him one of the best A&Rs. So, and that's, that actually kind of brings me to, to the, the next point I wanted to cover. And this uh, is something I, I talk about with pretty much everyone that, that I talk to. Uh, it's about co- collabs because that's a, a yeah. big thing uh, in this industry. And obviously you do it, do it a lot as well. Uh, and particularly yeah. one I want to talk about, and we'll talk about that here shortly, is Best Friend. Because you did a lot of work with, a, I think it was three or four different groups that worked on that, but what yeah. do you what What is your favorite part uh, about working with with other artists and other DJs? I like how you can you're not creatively bound. So if you work with you know a, a pop star, it's completely different to working with a deeper DJ sounding DJ. You know, deeper house, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's different to working with a progressive sounding DJ. So it kind of keeps you free creatively which is just the best thing. Like we went on tour with, you know, uh, Britney Spears and Nicki Minaj. We did the Femme Fatale tour where we. That had to have been a blast. It was amazing. (laughs) But one thing that really stood out for me is that every night these women performed the same set. Every night. There wasn't, it was really, and that for me, I didn't love. Of course, if I'm a spectator, I love it because it's hit after hit and it's a concert. It's a really well sought out concert. But one thing for me is I knew every time I heard this record, I'm like, oh, there's three more records to go. Oh, and the next one is this and that. And for me, that I didn't want that in my life. I wanted to be able to play a house party and play different records to a festival, to, to, to a club, to a back-to-back 
And the best thing about working with many different artists is you don't need to wear one specific hat. You can, you know, you can go wild and move left and then move right. And it's creatively liberating. So who has been your favorite artist to collab with? Mm. I can't say favorite. <laughs> who, who have you really enjoyed uh, collabing with them? It, it depends on how the collab happens. These days when Liv and I, um, because Liv and I write predominantly, predominantly 100% of the time on our own. So we write on our own and then we send our ideas everywhere. So that is a little bit less exciting because it's just Liv and I every day (laughs) (laughs) by ourselves. And then the rest is up to the computers and we send our ideas out and then we, we see how, what people come back with. I enjoy the most being in the studio with people and, um, right. So I can then and there be like, nah, need to change this, do this, do that. I like it when we work on the same program because then I can actually get in and do it myself because I hate feeling helpless on, on a computer. So what was my favorite? I've got to think of the last sessions that we've done together. I mean, I did some really nice writing sessions in, in, in Nashville recently, you know, recently where I worked with other vocalists. So that was nice because straight away, I had a different sound on the record. Normally I record all the vocals and then I find vocalists and it takes me ages. And also it's often hard to sell a record with a female vocal to a male vocalist. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they just they get, they can't hear it. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed working with an artist called Trove. I don't know. He's done some recent dance collabs and we've done a record with him that I'm still working on. And I think I'm going to finish it soon. I'm really happy with where it's at. Um, and that was nice because we just got deep in the writing session and started with chords and the song. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going back to my roots of just real sitting there with the chords and songwriting. I think that I'll keep loving you way past 65. We made a language for us too. We don't need to describe. Every time you call on me, I drop what I do. You are my best friend and we've got some things to do. Um, with Sophie Tucker, it was fun. But again, it was all done remotely. We wrote our hooks in my grandmother's uh, apartment using her her television as my monitor. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny. That was the first... Um, first record I've ever written in my grandmother's lounge room. Uh, what else? Let me look at the, uh, let me look at my iTunes so then I can just, I've got a really nice record coming out with a lock and it's really different for us. It's got an Irish vibe, which I love. And Liv is singing, which she doesn't normally sing. And she's put on a real voice. So it sounds bizarre, but sounding quite good at the same time. Uh Oh, God, I've got a lot of fun ideas in my right now. Let me see. Loved working on Supermodel with Candy. He's fun. He's just a fun guy. Flashing for the cameras, baby, we should be in vogue. I could be your supermodel, let me strike a pose. Flashing for the cameras, baby, we should be in vogue. I could be your 
that we've done with Avicii like so many years ago that I'm thinking that we might be finishing. Um, oh God, I've got so many records. I've got a record with this guy called Spence. He's like a, a, a I think he's an influencer, but he sent us some, a really funny idea. We sent him a funny idea back and now Universal want to sign it. So we might oh, release awesome. it. <laughs> yeah, but really weird and bizarre and I don't know if it will go well in my sets or anything like that but you know these days I kind of go where the love is if a label mm-hmm. wants to release something I'm like great why not you know yeah I don't really I'm not so precious about records these days because the ones that I'm the most precious with and the most proud of they just don't go anywhere and then there'll be a record that I kind of just fart out and then it goes really well <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. There's no rhyme or reason. I don't know what goes well and what doesn't. We've got another record that I adore. Again, super different, but I don't know how it's going to go. Smash the House has signed it. It features Paris and Tiny Temper, and it's really funny. It's a complete novelty record, and I would love it to go so well because it's um, it's funny. Well, I don't want to keep you up too late because I know it's probably getting – it's probably what, at least – 10 or 11 o'clock for you now um but i I wanted to talk a little bit about best friend um but i wanted to to ask you about how that experience was creating that song and the music video um because that was a a few more artists i feel like than you usually see in a a collaboration you had uh, four or five Uh, groups in there yeah so basically soph and tuck sent us the initial idea uh but super rough like i'm talking 30 seconds um, and then Liv and I wrote a, an additional hook and we were managing actually an artist, a Japanese artist, Elisa um, at the mm-hmm. time. And I'm like, Hey guys, why don't we get Elisa on it? She's wicked. She's this Japanese Tokyo girl. And then they were like, yeah, why not? So then we sent it to Elisa and then we wrote some sections for Elisa. And then, and then the song did not make um, Sophie Tucker's album. So they wrote us, they wrote to us saying, hey, guys, it's not made our album, but do you want to release it? And at that time, we had a schedule, a release schedule that was just full. So we were like, we can't do it for the next five months. So why don't we just all come back to it in five months' time and um, and see what happens. Then what happens is the Knox jumped on. And the Knox wrote the, don't you want to meet me at the bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you want to meet me? Do-? And that for me is really that's a big hook on that record. I actually got to hear them uh, play that song. They uh, they opened for Griffin here in Raleigh yeah. back in November, uh, and yeah. I heard them heard them play that. Yeah, so they 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 did that. Don't you want to meet that? And that hook, I think, is then what brought the record back to life. Sophie Tucker had already done their whole um, main album stuff sorted. And then what happened is Apple picked it up as the main sync. So the, uh, the reason why it got released 
as their as their single was because Apple picked it up as their iPhone X sync. So how did so, did they just did that get submitted? How did that process work that yeah, you ended up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple Apple um they their team, so Sophie Tucker's team submitted it to an agency, then they submitted it to Apple. And um and then Apple just pumped the life out of that record. They really did. They uh, it, it's the it's the true um, example of where someone's trash is someone else's treasure because no record label, like the record label that released it did not want to release it until Apple jumped on and used it as, a, as their big campaign song. So it's really interesting. You've just got to, that's, that's what keeps you going and that's what makes you work on so many different records that don't fit lanes because... You know, an advertiser can change the game. <laughs> yeah, and so what's it? what was it like when you saw it on TV for the first time? Yeah, super cool. Super cool. I really like that record. I mean, I did had no idea it was going to go that well. But again, it really had the help of an enormous brand. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. it was. It was just played on every single television for for, for a couple of months. So... Yeah, it was we were super lucky, super lucky. I really like it because I feel like it's not a typical record. So I really like it that it went well because for me that means that music is staying fresh and and you know, and thank you Apple. Thank you Apple because <laughs> again, like I've got to tell you our, our some of our our big records like When Love Takes Over, no record label wanted to release that, and then David Guetta wanted to release it. You know, with Best Friend, no one wanted to release it, not even the artist. And then Apple went to release it. So it's just, yeah, it's great. I think it's a really good good story. All right, well, I'll wrap it up here with just one last question for you. And you, you kind of teased a little bit of, of this uh, throughout the, the course of our, our chat. But what's next for, for Nervo, for you and Liv? God, so well, my sister is trying to get to the UK, and she's literally keeps booking flights, and they get cancelled. Yeah, I told you that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so the second she gets to me in London, I will be so happy because I think we're just going to go full time back to songwriting, where we can't tour, and so we're thinking. We used to write a lot of J-pop, believe it or not. We've had like ten number ones in Japan with Japanese artists. <laughs> <laughs> And we find we love I love we love writing for other projects how we used to before we were touring like crazy, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go write full 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 time five days a week at our lab in our studio, and then um, it's gonna be exciting working out which records we'll choose for ourselves, and which records we'll pitch to other artists. And yeah, I guess I'm so excited. Like I, I know I shouldn't say I'm excited. Because the world is going to go through a really, really, really hard time. I'm really worried about the socioeconomic uh, effect this this horrible pandemic is going to have on the world. Um, but we have to make lemons. We have to make lemonade, and um, from lemons. And I really want to. Uh, I I want to just write, 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 write. All right. Well, thank you so much. I know it was a little bit late for you, but thank you so much for taking some time and talking. This was a, a lot of fun. Yay. Thank you. And I hope when I come to your neck of the woods that we meet. Mm-hmm.